Well, I take an artist or a band and listen to their work. Then I put them on a list like a music critic jerk. Then I put them all in order from the best to the worst. But you probably won't like my choice for first. I don't care. You might think this idea is dumb. You're wrong. It's actually random. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Random Album Rankings. My name is BC, thank you for joining me. Well, Season 2 is almost complete. I'm still putting some finishing touches on the upcoming season. I will let you know a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I am no longer on Facebook, neither is the podcast. I decided I'm done with Facebook. It's time for a change, but... If you want to continue following this podcast on social media, I'm happy to announce that Random Album Rankings is now on Instagram. You can follow me at Random Album. That's a. I'm sorry. That's R A N D U M B A L B U M B. All one word. That's the Instagram handle. So if you want to follow Random Album on Instagram, just follow at Random Album. And I'm happy to announce a couple other things. We'll be kicking off season two with the one and only Metallica. That's right. We're gonna, I'm going to tackle one of the big four of heavy metal. And that episode will be dropping April 5th, which will kick off season two. I hope you stick around for this upcoming season. And don't forget, I do have a season finale so big that I had to split this into three parts. So... While I am working on Season 2, I have a special surprise for you. As you know, a couple months back, I had to pull an episode from my podcast for uh, personal reasons. And it really hurt having to pull a podcast, especially when it was one of the most listened to episodes of that whole season, which I am truly grateful for each listener and I especially appreciate the love and support from my fellow podcaster, D, who hosts Simply to Best. And by the way, we will be doing an episode together on Random this upcoming season, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, I did some uh, tweaking on this upcoming episode uh, that I am bringing back to you from the vault. And this, is, this was actually episode 11 from the first season. Uh, I had to pull the Ice Cube episode because of his uh, alliance with Donald Trump. And reading more into it, uh, it appeared that it was more trying to get uh, the minorities, the Black uh, Black Lives Matter and all that noticed. And I get it. And with that said, uh, just because we, I did get a few requests to have this back... I wasn't sure if I was going to bring it back, but it's a new year. Let's just keep on moving, and don't worry, there will be hip-hop episodes coming up on this season as well, so don't worry about that. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy From the Vault, my episode dedicated to rapper and icon Ice Cube. Take it away. Born O'Shea Jackson on June 15, 1969, Ice Cube started his rap career in 1986 at the age of 16 in the band CIA, Crew in Action. He then joined NWA, being the lead rapper and ghostwriter for the band for a number of years. He left NWA in 1990 via financial dispute and released his debut album, America's Most Wanted, that same year. He made his movie debut in the critically acclaimed and Oscar-nominated 1991 drama Boys in the Hood. To this day, Ice Cube has made 40 films, including Friday, Barbershop, and the family comedy Are We There Yet? Ice Cube is married to Kim Woodruff since 1992, and he has four children, including O'Shea Jackson Jr., who played Ice Cube in the NWA biopic Straight Outta Compton from 2015. 
He also has a clothing line, Solo, and in 2017, Ice Cube launched Big Three, a three-on-three -three basketball league with former NBA players, which consists of an eight-week regular season, playoffs, and a championship game. He has also been given his own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame that same year. And now that you know some facts about Ice Cube and a little bit of history, let's get into the rankings, shall we? We begin our rankings of Ice Cube's albums at number 10. It's kind of hard to believe he's only put out 10 albums with the long career that he has had. Mainly because, you know, movie careers seem to take top precedence over the last mm, 10, 15 years. But we start off at number 10 with War and Peace Volume 1, The War Disc, which was released in 1998. His first album after a five-year break, it peaked at number seven on the Billboard Top 200. And, oh man, what, what can I say? I, I don't like this album. I was not a fan of the War Disc when it came out. Uh, and don't even get me started on the first single off of that, Pushing Weight, featuring Mr. Shock Cop. And I hope I pronounced that correctly. If not, I'm sorry. But um, the video was visually, the video was stunning. But oh my God, the song is so cringeworthy. Just the whole album was such a letdown. And yeah, let me just play a little bit of Pushing Weight. I, I don't know. I just never liked the song. It just gets too repetitive in the chorus and to the point where I just found myself changing the channel or just plain muting it when I wanted to relax. Nothing against Ice Cube. I do like him. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this episode. But nothing changes the fact that I am not a fan of that song. Uh, there are a couple of other tracks that caught my attention when I first listened to this. He did, this is his second attempt at new metal. Uh, he did uh, Children of the Corn with Corn on their album Follow the Leader, which came out uh, August of 1998. And they returned the favor with another new metal track, a uh, little duet in the form of Fuck Dying. I will say this about volume one, the social commentary that Ice Cube was known for and was praised uh, during his career was uh, has come back to this album. Um, I think, and this is a stretch because it's not that great of a song either, but it was a highlight off of the war disc. And that would be the song Ghetto Vet. It's not a bad song. I appreciated the social commentary on ghetto vet it, it wasn't a bad track it wasn't a favorite all-time favorite song of his but as far as this album goes that was the best song on the album uh it goes without saying war is hell but you know what so was the war disc i'm sorry it stays at number 10 i didn't like it not one bit
Now, I mentioned, we're going into number nine. I mentioned that uh, War and Peace Volume 1 was his first album after a five-year hiatus. Well, the album at number nine was the album that drove him to that five-year hiatus. From 1993, Lethal Injection. It debuted at number five on the Billboard 200. It was certified platinum. But by then, his winning streak on the album charts had just slipped and has not gone back to the days of yours since since it's just wow it just seemed this time around the uh, social commentary that made him what he was was lessening and seemed to be pandering towards the gangster rap genre the only one of the very few highlights on this album is the 11 minute long yes i'm serious 11 minute long song which if you listen to on radio it was about five minutes long but still it was a hit and it featured the legendary george clinton bop gun one nation Good song, but at this point, as far as Lethal Injection went, Ice Cube seemed more of a trend follower than a trend setter. And with a good chunk of the songs on this album, it was definitely uh, showing that he wasn't leading the pack. He was just kind of, sort of, there. This really was the weakest of his 90s library, and it just breaks my heart to say that because, you know, he had potential as a solo artist when he left nwa america's most wanted was great uh i'm jumping ahead but his early work was superior to this to the stuff that was on lethal injection and i did a little bit of research on on rap albums that had come out around this time i realized what what could i get out of lethal injection by Ice Cube that I couldn't get out of, say, Illmatic by Nas, which I know came out a year later. But I'm just simply saying, what could I get out of Lethal Injection that I couldn't get out of Illmatic? And the answer is nothing, really. Nothing. What could I get out of Lethal Injection that I couldn't get out of The Chronic by Dr. Dre or Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg? And the answer is nothing. And finally, what could I get out of Lethal Injection that I couldn't get out of Tupacalypse Now or Strictly For My by Tupac? And the answer, yep, you guessed it, nothing. I don't find any redeeming points on Lethal Injection with the exception of Bop Gun. And that's not saying much. Uh, Compared to other rap albums that came out around uh, 92, 93, Lethal Injection didn't really do anything for me. And this would be his last album for five years. And yeah, the less I talk about that album, the better. So we will go right into number eight from 2010, I Am The West. Now, by this time, Ice Cube was in his 40s when the album was released. And, you know, it wasn't bad. It's definitely one of the better later releases of his career. Uh 
Ice Cube had said about this album that it would it would be different from most of his other albums. There was a different direction, and it did show on this one. This was uh, the second uh, one of the. I'm sorry, this is the third album that would be released under his Lynch Mob record label. He stated, quote, being independent is beautiful because we can do things out the box that record companies usually frown at. Instead of working from a ready-made cookie cutter marketing plan, we can tailor make a marketing plan specifically for me. Which, you know, it, it definitely showed he was comfortable again doing his own thing with no record label, no corporate uh, management breathing down his neck to get a single out there, get the album completed. He was essentially doing his own thing, taking his own time. It took a year to record and it was released in the fall of 2010. And it really showed that he did care about the uh, genre, the care about music again, which is great. Uh, there's some, a couple of standout tracks on here. Uh, one, uh, Man vs. Machine, which talked about the uh, obsessions with machinery and how it's taken over. But my favorite song on here is about how big corporations were stealing from the poor and giving to the rich. A whole thing about things going up against housing and medical insurance. Real shit that ain't got nothing to do with money, cars, and all the stuff, all the shit that most rappers talk about. And it definitely shows on here. I'm talking about the song Hood Robin. I'm at your West Coast branch, gun in hand. I'ma feel like Superman, walk by the color. Better call a trooper, ma'am. It's the revenge of the lambs. Big bad wolf. We sick of these scams. Sick of these plans. Sick of this dance. Walked into his office, took the nine out my pain. And there are several other songs on here that, uh, are anti-establishment like drink the kool-aid and no country for young men and another song that i found interesting uh just from listening to it just seemed like it was a jab at corporate record labels that brushed him off at a point in his uh, career yeah, the song To West Coast. That song featured Young Melee and West Side Connection member WC. Now, by this point, the uh, Ice Cube side project West Side Connection had you know dissolved and people who are still wondering if there's going to be a new album uh don't count on it i mean there's only been two albums from west side connection bow down is still one of the best rap albums of the 90s i think uh but yeah by this point west side connection just due to uh touring situations and personal opinions that band's not getting back together, so this is going to be one of the very few times that you'll see a West Side Connection reunion. And I believe this was one of the last times that these two would uh, perform on an album together. Uh, this did not. Uh, this was not a top ten album. It debuted at number twenty-two, and to this day uh, has sold. 350,000 copies in the United States alone, barely hitting gold worldwide with a combined total of 460,000. So by this point, Ice Cube's commercial performances were dwindling. And it's a shame. But obviously the, the game had changed by the time 2010 hit. 
because you had Lil Wayne, you had Recovery by Eminem, which received critical praise and got a Grammy Album of the Year nod. So, honestly, there wasn't really much to say about I Am The West at this point. It was a good album, but it just seemed to fall on the wayside because there were other rap albums that had come out that were just far superior. But I will give I Am The West this. It was one of his better later releases. And speaking of later releases, the album I have at number seven, I think is his best work in a very long time. The album Everything's Corrupt from 2018. As I said before, this is the most recent album he has put out. This is, I got shades of his first three albums off of this album, and I believe this is his m- most politically charged album since 2006, and we will be talking about uh, that album shortly. And it's not just because there's a song on here called Arrest the President. This is just it is very political as far as the song and the album as a whole is concerned. All they want is they dividends and decibels. Fuck these citizens. They'll treat us like hooligans. Throw him in. They don't care what school he is. These people don't play fair. It ain't even fair at the state fair. Give a young nigga gray hair. That's why I'm here. And your ass lay there. With an election coming up and with all the controversy that's happening right now with the mail-in ballots and all that stuff, this, oh wow, this could not have come at a better time than now. And if you have not heard this album, not just this song, but this album, you really need to check it out. I think it is one of the best rap albums in the last 10 years. And it's definitely some of uh, Cube's best work since the early 90s. And yeah, he still has his fun moments on the album too. Uh, One song that I really liked on here. And I believe George Clinton was on this one too. I I think it might have been. He might. I don't think he was. I could be wrong though. But gotta love a track called "That New Funkadelic." game changing over the last 30 years one question seems to pop up does ice cube still have a place in hip-hop honestly uh, yeah i think he does okay maybe you know with rappers like lil wayne and eminem and even the the late Juice World, Roddy Rich, and all these artists that are coming out of the woodwork. Honestly, uh, rap and hip-hop are in a good place. But at this point, Ice Cube is one of the veterans. And, you know, it's not, it was a good day. It's not Bop Gun or anything along those lines. But I do believe ice cube still has something to say and as i have uh mentioned he takes breaks uh in between albums because he's still got that movie career which seems to be taking top precedent and he also has a tv series uh tv adaptation of are we there yet Uh, but at the end of the day yeah he's still got a place he still has something to say and when he is ready to say it He's going to go down He's to the rec- recording studio. He's going to lay down the tracks. 
and he's going to blow your fucking mind. I guarantee it. I, I'm not counting Ice Cube out just yet. And as much as I have Bad Mouth, Lethal Injection, and War and Peace Volume 1, yeah, Ice Cube was down, but he's not out. I, I think he still has a place, and people still need to be listening to Ice Cube amidst all the uh, new artists that are coming out. He still has it. And that's all I got to say about that. Just uh, personal opinion on the matter. With that, let's get right back into the countdown. Coming in at number six from 2000 War and Peace Volume 2, The Peace Disc. This came in, it debuted at number three and was certified gold. Unfortunately, the promotion for it just wasn't successful, and it was a shame because it had been released around the same time as Next Friday, the sequel to the 1994 uh, cult comedy classic with Ice Cube and Chris Tucker. Uh, Around at this point, Dr. Dre's 2001 had been released. Eminem had just entered the spotlight with the Slim Shady LP. Exhibit had released Restless. So all those new artists, well, Eminem and Exhibit were new artists at this point. Dr. Dre had just released his second album after a huge sabbatical. Uh, But Ice Cube was pretty much left in the dust by the time 2000 rolled around. And it's a shame because... Uh, One song off here, which was used in the movie Next Friday, would wind up being his final top 40 hit. And that song was called You Can Do It. You can't really hit on a song that samples the theme song to I Dream of Genie or includes Rapper's Delight. You know, you can't. It's... It, it, it was a fun song, and as I said before, he has not had a top 40 single since that song. And it was, fun fact about You Can Do It, it was re-released in 2004 and peaked at number two in the United Kingdom. And that number two peak is a career high for Ice Cube as far as singles go. Uh, This would be Ice Cube's final album under the Priority Record label, and he wouldn't release another album until 2006 with Laugh Now, Cry Later. And it is one of his last gold-certified records. Honestly, it goes without saying, it was better than the war disc. But, yeah, this, this really should have been a bigger seller than it wound up being. It was... There, there we go. Don't you get summertime vibes listening to that? I mean, it... I mean, it's no, it was a good day, but why wasn't that a big hit? And don't say The Real Slim Shady by Eminem. That's an obvious one, but Until We Rich, I would have totally bumped that in my car during the summer months back in 2000. But that's neither here nor there. And Volume 2, The Peace Disc, is pieced out at number six. And with that said... We are now in the top five. Hey, yo, this is Ice Cube, and as you can see, I am rolling with the lynch mob. I want you to call my 900 number and find out what's going on on my new solo project, America's Most Wanted, and how me and the lynch mob be kicking in South Central Los Angeles. Call 1-900-234-Cube. 
Just $2 per minute. Kids, get your parents' permission. Hey, yo, give me a call, and we out at $5,000. Coming in at number five from 2008, Raw Footage. And man, the social commentary is back in full effect here. And none more so than on the leadoff track, Gangsta Rap Made Me Do It. Motherfuckers trying to change rap, say what? But ain't you the same cat that sat back when they brought cocaine say back? What? Say what? Trying to get me a Maybach. How you motherfuckers gonna tell me don't say that? You the ones that we learned it from. I heard nigga back in 1971. So if I act like a pimp, ain't nothing to it. Gangsta rap made me do it. If I call you a nappy-headed hoe, ain't this was, as I said, a social commentary, uh, came back on the whole album, but this was directed at the gangster rap genre. And this also showed that he was no longer a trends, a trend follower. He was setting a trend again. Uh, by this point, the gangster rap genre was kind of sort of faded out, but it was, but it's still relevant even in 2008, with all that had been going on in the world at this point. Uh, another track on here that I really liked was uh, Do Ya Thang, and it showed that Ice Cube still belong. I mentioned earlier, I still think Ice Cube has a place in hip-hop today, and as he had entered his second decade in rap and hip-hop, even more so. You know, I, this is one of those rare occasions I agree with a music critic that I have grown to despise over the years, uh, and that name is Robert Christgau. Uh, I. I don't know. At this point, uh, goes out saying, I think Robert has his head up his own ass. But this is one of these rare occasions where I agree with him on raw footage. He had said, quote, some of the smartest raps of his career with lyrics like most rappers are parrots. They say what they told to say to get a neck full of carrots. Yeah, I don't know if that's smart, but it's definitely clever. Uh, and one example he gave was uh, Easy Beats uh, in the form of hood mentality. How you gonna take it? What you gonna tell him when you get to heaven? And he asked you, why did you send back his present? Who the f*** are you? You mother, mother peasant. Even got the nerve to ask the man for a blessing. Send his ass to Hades with his big Mercedes. Hell on earth is being stuck in the 80s. I really like this album, and honestly, I don't know. I never cared for the Carter Three by Lil Wayne. Uh, if you ask me what the best rap album of 2008 was, I'd have to lean towards Raw Footage. I think it's one of the most underrated albums, not just in the rap genre, but music overall as far as the 2000s go. Uh, Taking a listen to this for the first time in a few years, I... I really dug the album. I dug the messages. I dug the beats. I dug the lyrics. Ice Cube is a smart individual. If you've seen his interviews, you know full well that he is not stupid at all. He knows what he's doing. I mean, okay, he's put out a couple of disappointing albums. That doesn't mean he's dumb. He knows what he's talking about. He has something to say. Sometimes it just doesn't feel right. But in the case of raw footage, it was there. I really enjoyed this one. And I guess the public did too, because this debuted at number five on the Billboard 200. And to date, this is his final top 10 album. I don't know. I'm, I don't know if he's ever going to crack uh, the top spot again or make the top ten. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a psychic, but 
Ice Cube has his thumb on the pulse of the nation, even to this very day, and especially on this album and the album that was released before Raw Footage. Uh, one thing I really liked was uh, the album we have at number four, Laugh Now, Cry Later from 2006. This was the return to music after a six-year hiatus. He had been busy with a movie career. He had uh, released Barbershop 2 back in business at this point, and he had a big hit with the family film, Are We There Yet? Uh, fun fact about that, uh, when Raw Footage came out, he was promoting the sequel to Are We There Yet called Are We Done Yet? Uh, I wasn't a big fan of either of those movies, to be honest, but they were big hits. I can't really hate on that. But that is what Ice Cube had been working on for about six years leading into Laugh Now, Cry Later. And this was also the first album on his own independent label, Lynch Mob, L-E-N-C-H-M-O-B. And it also produced his final chart entry on the Billboard Hot 100 to this date, Why We Thugs. Here for young kids, how these little niggas taking over showbiz. They get his guns and drugs, they ain't wonder why you fuck with thugs. They wanna count the slugs, they ain't come around here and fuck with us. They get his guns and drugs, they ain't wonder why you fuck with thugs. They wanna count the slugs, they ain't much like raw footage in 2008 and everything's corrupt from a couple of years ago, this was very politically charged, especially on the song Why We Thugs. This tackled uh, subjects such as Saddam Hussein, George W. Bush, and... This was a very politically charged album, especially in the song Why We Thugs. It made references to George W. Bush, Saddam Hussein, Russell Simmons, and even talks about his big screen debut in Boys in the Hood, which is still a classic to this very day. Uh, very politically charged, and he even got a little bit of help from his buddy Snoop Dogg on the follow-up single, Go to church. Happen in Joe Jacket, nigga. If you scared, go to church. One song that really stood out as far as this album goes, not saying the other. Two songs I just played for you weren't standouts. They were. But one that really uh, made you think was the song Growing Up, where he talks about and honors his deceased friend and co-rapper and NWA member Eazy-E, who, along with Ice Cube, just really blew the rap game to a whole nother level. Uh Lyrics like, never thought I'd see easy in a casket. Thanks for everything. That's on everything. I learned a lot of game from you. I like your son. He's got his name from you. Just a really touching track from start to finish. And I, I believe Easy e would be proud of this trip. When I hit the screen, nigga, it was magic. Never thought I'd see easy in a casket. Thanks for everything. That's on everything. I learned a lot of game from you. I like your son. He got his name from you. I tell him everything that he need to know. If he asks my advice, I won't think twice, homie. I see nothing else. During the recording of this album and at the time of its release, he had said, quote, I want to make a record that was like a history book. I want to make a record that does what all good hip hop does. It makes you feel good. It kind of pumps you up, but it also shows you a part of life that you might not have been paying attention to or might not even know exists. And that's the thing that made Ice Cube so great back in the 90s. Uh, even back in the late 80s when he was with NWO, was straight out of Compton. And just the 
lyrical content that was coming out of Ice Cube between uh, Straight Outta Compton, Fuck the Police, and the next few albums we're going to be talking about on this episode, they were he was letting you know whether it was an NWA member or solo, he was telling you what was really going on in the streets. And most people didn't have a clue what was going on. And I still believe that's the case to this very day. People are in the dark. And you got artists like Ice Cube that still are trying to beat you over the head saying, hey, here's what's going on. You need to pay attention to this shit. And he still proves that to this very day. He really delivers on this album and another underrated gem from the 2000s. Uh, at this, as of now, the album has been certified gold. I did say it was one uh, that the certifications have kind of dried up over the last few years, but this one managed to hit gold and it peaked at number four. So he must have been doing something right about this time, and maybe it was the six year hiatus that needed it. So, congrats. It's a great album. And Around this, around 2006, on Halloween to be exact, he re-released Laugh Now, Cry Later in an OG limited edition in the form of the dual disc. Remember those? CD on one side, DVD on the other, and the DVD contained concert and backstage footage, including a playable music video for every song on the album. There was 20 tracks on this album, so... The DVD had a playable video for every single song, and it the videos are interesting too. I I really like this album. I, I can't stress that enough. So why do I have it at number four? Well, you're about to find out very soon. The top three is coming up next. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we are now in the top three. And coming in at number three is the debut solo album from Ice Cube, which got a little help from production via the Bomb Squad, Public Enemies Group. Yeah, the album I'm talking about, well, nah, let's just start this off now. It is one of the best hip-hop albums of the 1990s. Don't try to apprehend him. At number three, a jarring social commentary from start to finish about ghetto life, drug addiction, racism, poverty, all in the form of America's Most Wanted. By this time, Ice Cube had left Ruthless Records, he had quit NWA, and Ice Cube moved on to record his own album, and in this case, this was amazing. Uh, he maintains that originally it was supposed to be Cube and Dre wanting to collaborate on the debut solo, but the move was nixed by Ruthless Records. He said, uh, Ice Cube said, quote, in an interview with Double uh, XL, he said, when I went solo, I wanted Dr. Dre to do America's Most Wanted, but Jerry Heller vetoed that, and I'm pretty sure Easy didn't want Dre to do it either. But Dre did want to do We got to put that on record. Dre wanted to do my record, but it was just too crazy with the breakup of NWA. And that is why Public Enemy's production team, the Bomb, the Bomb Squad, completed the album. And I got to give the Bomb Squad credit. They did a hell of a job on this album. It is seriously one of the best albums of the 1990s, not just in hip-hop, but the entire genre as a whole and there's a just a treasure chest full of tracks on here um 
one that really stood out was a song that featured Chuck D about uh, Rodney King and the loss uh, that would end up being about Rodney King and the Los Angeles riots in the form of Endangered Species, Tales from the Dark Side. It it seemed to hit home uh, around that time frame. And, but even then, yep, Cube was trying to tell you all something. not there was only one negative review on this album the entire time when it came out it got critical acclaim it over the years it has been regarded as a hip-hop classic i it holds up to this very day uh, but the one negative review came from rolling stone magazine and i know at this point everyone's opinion on the magazine is kind of soured over years uh, but in 1990, out of a five-star rating, they gave it two and a half stars. Uh, Alan Light, who did the review for it, said, quote, The relentless profanity grows wearisome. The bomb squad beats lose steam, and Cube's attitudes towards women are simply despicable. He also declared the album as a disappointment. And wouldn't you know it, in the 2003 CD reissue of this album... Uh, he wrote the liner notes for it and raised the rating to three and a half stars in 1992 and then changed it to a five-star classic in 2004, praising the album for its production and lyrics. You hypocritical son of a bitch. This is why I don't take Rolling Stone magazine seriously anymore because, I mean, okay, clearly this idiot made a mistake. But when you're going, oh, this album sucks, and then 10 years later, oh, best album, I love it, it's so great. Just shut the fuck up. Seriously, just shut up. The lyrical content is venomous. I will give Alan Light that. Uh, the misogynistic lyrics, hey, I don't agree with them, but hey, I, I I get it. At the time, it made it made sense. It was understood at the time. The lyrical content is venomous, but it the album as a whole is one of the most best sociopolitical commentaries in hip-hop i i think it's incredible from start to finish and yeah i i did mention his early work was going to be uh talked about on a much higher level it and we move right into number two death certificate the follow-up album from 1991 this is a far 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 angrier album compared to america's most wanted and there's one song on here that i'm going to start off with do you know what song off of here i'm going to start off with do you know why i'm going to start off my review of death certificate with this song that was the diss to nwa and jerry heller the lead-off single no vaseline and boy 
Cube did not fuck around on this one. It is still one of the best diss tracks of all time. Hey, yo, the homophobic lyrics on here yeah i will agree they, they don't hold up to this very to this day uh i will say no vaseline is still the best diss track ever uh but don't talk about that i think sonically and musically lyrically death certificate is far superior to america's most wanted uh, there are a lot of great tracks on here uh one particular favorite on here was steady mobbin i just it, it is a great song and it was uh, the second single released off of it and yeah just take a take a listen Ice Cube really had his eye on the prize as far as death certificate went. It was it was really letting everybody know what was really going on that they don't tell you about in the news and what the president at the time, in this case, uh, George H.W. H. W. Bush, not W, just it was H.W. Senior. Uh, there was a lot of shit going on that people were being, uh, had their eyes opened up to thanks to America's Most Wanted and Death Certificate. Another song that really stood out is the song Colorblind, which preached neutrality and brotherhood between gangs such as the uh, Bloods and Crips. This album turns 30 in 2022. 30. Can you believe that? I, I really cannot believe this album is 30 years old. It's just scary. I feel so old just saying that. <laughs> but... Man, this death certificate showed what hip-hop could be in the early 90s. It wasn't going to be all, you can't touch this. It wasn't going to be all uh, DJ Jazzy, Jeff, and the Fresh Prince. So, And sure as fuck wasn't going to be Vanilla Ice, that's for sure. But death certificate really was a pioneer in what would become the genre known as gangster rap. I should also point out, uh, despite all the accolades that Death Certificate received back then and as of today, including a 9.5 out of 10 from Pitchfork, Death Certificate received a shitty budget as far as the promotion goes. $18,000 to promote this album. Despite getting music video treatment for the song Steady Mobbin and True to the Game, they didn't really get any airplay on radio. And it's really a shame because, man, people needed to hear this. This is what needed to be played. This was the kick in the ass America and music in general needed, especially with the Rodney King beating, the L.A. riots, and everything that's been going on with the gang wars. Uh, 
death certificate was pretty much the follow-up to what you needed to know in the world today and in America in general. So with that said, ladies, guess what? We're into the number one album on my list as far as Ice Cube goes. Let's hit the music. It's come down to this, the number one album on my list, my favorite Ice Cube album. It it was pretty much a no-brainer, but you know what? It is a damn great album. My pick for number one from 1992, The Predator. Yes, again, it it's it was pretty much a given, but they really, re it really is a great album. And this is the pinnacle of Ice Cube's solo career. opening song to the album when will they shoot in this one uh, ice cube addressed criticisms of anti-semitism which he received from his last effort death certificate now i did say the homophobic comments and the anti-semitism lyrics yeah they're cringeworthy now they were cringeworthy then too but wow yeah this was the criticisms of how he felt i'm going to read off a little bit of lyrics please don't come at me i'm just simply reading lyrics from this uh he's saying white man is something i tried to study but i got my hands bloody yeah they say i can sing like a jaybird but don't say the j word because to us uncle sam is hitler without an oven burning our black skin bomb a neighborhood that pushed the crack in yeah oof those lyrics really hit hard and just from listening to this and just from me reading this, it was very clear Cube was not going to let up. Uh, there's other songs on here. We had to tear this up, which was directed at the L.A. police officers acquitted in the Rodney King trial, which ignited the L.A. riots in 92, which I talked about in the previous album. Uh, there was also another song, uh, Who's Got the Who Got the Camera? which imagines a scenario where a black man is subjected to police brutality. And the songs are broken up by interludes involving interviews with Ice Cube and what appears to be a debate between members of a congregation or talk show audience. Uh, yeah, it was definitely, this is one of, this is one of the best albums of that year and of the early 90s. Uh, Hip hop was definitely dominant around this time frame and ice cube was fucking delivering and this was the first single off of it from november 3rd 1992 a song called wicked which i will play for you shortly and i should also know this also let you know this came out the same month that wicked was released it, in november of 1992 it was it debuted at number one, and to this day is his only number one album. The production and the beats and rhymes on this album as a whole are strong, and I just played Wicked earlier, and you're probably wondering, I've heard this before. Yeah, you, you might have, uh, because... Another band who did tracks with Ice Cube uh, later on that decade 
did their own version of it. I believe the band I'm talking about, and you know who I'm talking about. Yep, you guessed it. Corn. I have to incorporate one other fun fact on this album. Uh, there's a track on here called Now nah, I Gotta Wetcha. It's the source, it is the uh, source of the popular phrase, it's on like Donkey Kong. And since the release of that song, that quote has been used in sports, commercials, movies, television, and has even been featured on the Nintendo Wii game Donkey Kong Country Returns in 2010. Yeah, who'd have thunk it? Ice Cube is responsible for the phrase, it's on like Donkey Kong. You know, it's really weird because most of the critics weren't on this like they wore Death Certificate or America's Most Wanted. But I really think this is his strongest album. And even now, this demands to be heard in 2020, just like it demanded to be heard in 1992 when it had come out. Uh there were two other singles on here, and they got him in the top 40 for the first time, uh, starting with his first top 20 single, Check Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself. I love it. That is the remix version of Check Yourself, which featured DOS Effects. And that did get uh, most of the airplay on MTV and radio than the uh, original version did. It, it still holds up, and you notice that sample of the message from Grandmaster Flash in The Furious Five. Great track. As I said, that wound up being his first top 20 hit. But it was this next song that really took him over the edge and wound up being his highest charting single to date peaking at number 12 it was a good day I really think this album and 1994's Illmatic by Nas are the best hip-hop albums of the early 90s. This was his most socially conscious album, letting you because he was really telling what was going on as far as the LA riots are going were concerned, and the police brutality was not it it holds up to this day. We still have are dealing with the police brutality and Black Lives Matter movement now. This and Ice Cube was talking about all of this in 1992. The police brutality has not stopped. The Predator is the magnum opus of Ice Cube's solo career. I will leave you with one little fun fact on this album. In a 2014 interview with Q-Tip, rapper and producer, Leonardo DiCaprio, of all people, expressed his admiration for The Predator, stating that the album was the voice for the angry and unheard during the 1990s. And I have to agree with that. The Predator set the bar high for hip-hop for a very long time, and Ice Cube would never come close to topping this again. And I'm I'm not sure if he ever will. While I do believe he has a place in hip-hop to this very day, it's going to be hard to top at this point. At 2 million copies sold, this is his best-selling album to date, and my honest opinion, 
this is Ice Cube's best album. go another random in the books and before i say goodbye let's do one final recap from worst to best coming in at number 10 i have war and peace volume one the war disc from 1998 at number nine lethal injection from 1993 i am the west coming in at number eight ice cube's most recent release every thang's corrupt at number seven at number six from 2000, War and Peace Volume 2, The Peace Disc. Raw Footage comes in at number five, followed by Laugh Now, Cry Later at number four. And in the top three, number three, the debut album, America's Most Wanted. Number two, Death Certificate from 1991. And at number one, in my humble opinion, the most successful and best album from Ice Cube, 1992's The Predator. And that's going to do it for another edition of Random Album Rankings. If you enjoy these episodes, please leave a five-star review, leave a comment, go on anchor.fm slash random album, leave a message. Listener support is greatly appreciated, so please, if you are a music fan, please tell your friends about this show and let us know what you think Lee give us an opinion tell us how we can improve we would I will gladly help you out in this one and I do read the comments I do listen to the messages I do read the reviews so your support is definitely appreciated we will be back next week for another episode of random album so until then I'm BC the world is your oyster So whatever you do, get out there and start shucking it. Goodbye, everybody. You may think this idea is dumb. Well, you're wrong. It's actually random.